Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. The Porcupine with Adam Nutter. What's up, bitches? What's up, brother and sister bears? Welcome to the Porcupine. I am Adam Nutter. Thanks for joining us tonight on another uh, candidate Q&A episode uh, for Governor and Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but while I have your attention, uh, please go follow me on social media, at Adam Nutter. Also, subscribe to this podcast right now on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Adam Nutter and you subscribe. You do it, or I won't do this fucking show. I'll hold you hostage. You go subscribe right now. Uh, also come see me do stand up this Saturday. We have Robbie, the fire Bernstein coming out to Chalfon, Pennsylvania at the pop in. Uh, he's headlining two shows, seven and nine 30 coming out, uh, drop tent.com slash events for those tickets. And then March 22nd, I'll be up at the stand in Manhattan coming out for that 7 PM show. Uh, tickets are available to stand, <coughs> excuse me, weed. And, uh, the only other thing, yeah, let's, I want to plug this April 30th up in New Hampshire at the shell. Right by Portsmouth, come on out. It's going to be a fucking good time. Tickets are available, droptent.com slash events. Also, do me a solid, guys. Go buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. Go to droptent.com slash store. Get a porcupine shirt. Look at that. You get a white series, a black series. You could get your disobey your local nutter shirt. Artwork by Top Lobster, Top Lobster himself, uh, exclusively to droptent.com slash events. All right, I'm done whoring myself out. Let's bring it into the candidates now. Uh, introducing first, I get in the order that they are on my screen, I'll bring up uh, Mr. Matt Hackenberg running for governor. Uh, Good evening. Good evening. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Mr. Tim McMaster running for lieutenant governor. Good evening, you handsome so-and-so. Thanks, bud. Love you, brother bear. Uh, the... <sighs> This this fucking mess. Joel gets for lieutenant governor. <laughs> it's the nicest thing you've ever said about me, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> and then uh, the only lady tonight amongst us, uh, Nicole Schultz for I, governor. I see you saved the best for last. Yes, I absolutely. Um, guys, drop your everyone watching out there because this is going to be uh, pretty much a Q and A. So drop your questions for everybody in the comments for youtube and facebook i can't read them on uh, twitter so if you're watching this on twitter i can't read your comments is this not how this works only facebook and youtube go to them i'll try to star the best ones i can but while i wait for those questions let's just go around the room matt hackenberg introduce yourself and tell us why you're running for governor for the libertarian party of pennsylvania well <clears throat> my name is matt and i am uh I'm a computer engineer, probably my day job. I'm a lifelong libertarian. I'm in the in the Rothbardian Misesian tradition. I am a member of the Mises Caucus. I am a firm believer in all things Austrian economics. I was brought into the movement by Ron Paul in uh, his 2008 run. Converted me uh, to uh, you know, like a minarchist position at that time, and uh, grew on to uh, be a, more of an anarchist over time. Served in the Army, uh, in the Army National Guard, as a field artillery, field artillery officer, uh, and it's since become extremely anti-war. And uh, this is why I'm here, as to push that most that that message. Uh, and that's it. All right, uh, Nicole, how about you? I am 
a mom to a wonderful daughter and I want her to have more freedoms than I have. And the only way for me to achieve that is to step into rules that make that possible. This is one of those rules. Um, I am a business owner. I have a small business. We run a farm and use our farm to make, to make the jams and jellies for our small business. Um, we got hit hard during COVID. All of our shows dried up. We weren't allowed to um, go out and be in the public like we used to. So that hurt not only our small business, but it hurt a lot of other small businesses. Then we heard that some of the money that was supposed to come to us to help relieve the burden on us, um, we're going to fill slots in budget gaps in other areas and not directed towards the businesses and not directed towards the homeowners or the renters who needed those funds just to live because of the, the economy being shut down. That was wrong and it's still wrong and they're still doing it and somebody has to stop them. I'm that somebody. All right, uh, Joel. Well, I originally, um, uh, pretty much everybody watching this knows me. I chair social media. I chair Monroe County. Um, you all saw me in the flamboyant gold jacket over this weekend, which uh, I also least, sported that jacket for a while. <laughs> at least half a dozen took people took pictures of me, like I was an odd uh, statue walking around somehow. But that was that was fun. But uh, I actually had a statement that I was going to make at the board meeting uh, before I knew we were going to do this Q and A. So. I'll just kind of convert it for this purposes. And that will be, ladies and gentlemen, and Adam Nutter, I have made a decision to remove my name from consideration for Lieutenant Governor uh, of Pennsylvania. Um, I humbly think I'd be a great candidate for this, and I do intend to run one day, but that's not going to be today. Um, I had a bunch of people reach out to me and say they'd support me and vote for me, and offer me their help and if any of you guys are watching this i strongly encourage you to give tim all of that support um i think he's a great candidate um and he's the candidate the party and the state needs right now and my ego and desire to run for this office uh, is not high enough to overcome that belief and i think you should all support tim if you are going to support me and um, now just imagining I'm dropping a microphone and flipping you guys the bird while I walk out. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. We all love you. Joel, love we you. love you. All right. Get the fuck out, though. So you're no longer part of this. <laughs> so see you oh, later. that was it. All right. He's just so... going to be in here. <laughs> so... Oh, God. Wow. People will go to great lengths to not speak to you, Adam. That is right. Yeah. I know. It's so embarrassing for me. I, didn't want to I, I, to your I volunteered jokes. to run for lieutenant governor just <laughs> so I could speak to you. <laughs> Thanks, bud. So, I anywho, appreciate that, um, I, I, I will introduce Tim. myself. I'm Tim McMaster, <laughs> former candidate for state senate here in the 48th district, which uh, actually, due to our success with that campaign, they actually shifted completely away from this side of Lebanon County and moved all the way to the other side so that the 48th district now almost goes all the way up to Liz Terwilliger's district. Uh, up around Williamsport, which is kind of ridiculous. I, I guess I scared them that much. Um, chair of Affiliate Support um, on a bunch of other committees, uh, former vice chair of York, husband, father, grandfather, goat farmer, aspiring politician, or parliamentarian, sorry, don't, don't want to call myself a politician. I hate politicians. Um, open book, really, no secrets. Uh, ask me anything and I'll tell you. All right. Well, your competition 
is easier now. So <laughs> congrats on Joel dropping out. I, I guess I could still be noted, but you know. it could be noted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I doubt it though. All right. We got some qu- guys drop your fucking questions. Let's go. God damn it. I only have a few. Usually there's like a thousand in here. And so many people are watching. Let's go. Drop your questions. Let's go. We need questions here. All right. Uh, first one's from Larry Fine. Uh, to two part. Well, it's, it's just too long to be. I got to do two things. So the first part is the bylaws, Article 10, uh, right? Roman numerals 10. Section one says that the BOD has the power to nominate candidates in the absence of a convention resolution not to run any candidate for an office, which does not seem to apply here. Do you believe that any BOD nominations for either of these positions is lawful? Matt, we'll start with you. I am not a lawyer, nor am I the JC. I, I really can't tell you outside right. of my scope of expertise. Fair. Uh, Nicole? I would have to agree with that. It's out of my scope of expertise, too. Um, however, there are differing difference of opinions on whether or not it's lawful. Um, I actually contacted an attorney, so I'm waiting for one to get back to me to find out what the ramifications are. So sooner or later, we'll find out. All right. Uh, Tim? Uh, I would also add that there's not a single reference to goats anywhere in that question so it's definitely out of my expertise um i would like to just say that i, I I'm, I'm waiting to see what the board actually does and from that point see what the jc decides on it and i guess possibly legal action because uh as we've all said none of us here are lawyers so fair all right uh We'll go with kate hill's question kate says for all candidates would you be in favor of separating of school and state and if you didn't understand it with this, you could Google it. We got that, Cade. We understand what Google is. But for the first part, for all candidates, would you be in favor of separating of school and state? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the public education system is uh, an instrument of evil and indoctrination of our, of our youth and should be opposed it in every every possible way. I believe in you know at least private schooling or, or homeschooling if, if possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nicole? Just like everything else, there is a time and place for certain things, and our our school system is one of those. It's become more um, indoctrined than it used to be, um, especially when I went to school, and I'm older than both of these, well, probably all of you. So my, what I had in school is probably different than what you have had. Um, so I think that parents know their children best, and I think they should be able to decide what happens with their children's education. Cause I know I had issues putting my daughter in school and she was above average in her intelligence, but yet she was bored in the classroom. So they kept wanting to hold her back and I'm don't hold her back. Give her, she wants work to do, give her something to do. That is not boring. So I think the parents know their children better mm-hmm. and they should be making those decisions. Yeah. Now public school is whack because I remember I was like in the, growing up in new york i was like the the delta program which like the gifted program look where i turned out to be so how right were they you know what i'm saying so Tim, i was also in the gifted program i don't know i was in a gifted program at penn state so i think i turned out pretty good for the gifted program i was in penn state public school in new york i know it's not really quite the same well i spent my um junior and senior year i spent half of it in the high school and the other half at penn state university so Okay, we get it, Nicole. Nerd. All right, we got I it. I am a nerd. Can't help it. <laughs> yeah, you're Give better than us. All right, whatever. Give me numbers. Uh, I'm there. Uh, Tim? I think all schooling um, decisions should absolutely be made locally, whether that be, you know, in local to the community with the school board or 
with the parents themselves. I, you know, if I had the power, if I had my druthers, I would eliminate the Department of Education in its entirety. Um, I think at this point, it's just a grifting operation. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a straight indoctrination camp. It's creepy that Florida shit they passed is cool. Uh, all right, let me see. What else we got? What else we got? What else we got? Let's go one. Oh, with your boy, Jacob Winograd. He says, what do Nicole and Matt think their opponent's best strength is? Uh, Nicole, we'll start with you. Wow. Um, I wasn't expecting that one. I don't know Matt that well, but I am going to assume, which is probably going to be wrong, that one of his best strengths is probably leadership skills since he was in the military. Um, most military, most people that are in the military come out with very strong leadership skills. I would yeah. say his tallness, but Matt, what do you got? <laughs> uh, well, she's she's right. Well, I, did, too, uh... <laughs> but I think my husband is a little taller than him. Ooh. Oh, I don't. Yeah, Matt, what are you saying? Challenge six six. You're oh, six six. Okay, so he's yeah. not. You're taller, than, you're taller than my boy Neil. It, was was he was he around last weekend? He looked exactly like me. He was okay. dressed in the same color, so he, he never left my side. So if you saw yeah. me, you saw him. Yeah, he's tall. What? When anyone's oh. taller than me, yeah. whenever I'm in the same room as someone taller than me, it, it makes me feel very uncomfortable. I can see you guys, across the room you, as someone's taller than me. Do you guys have to automatically, like Rams, you guys just instinctually have to fight each other? Uh, yes, basically. Okay, we have cool. to fight to the death. Yeah, That's so, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you'd that. lose. You'd lose. Sorry. My <laughs> husband would like Damn. break you like a twig. I don't think that was one of the questions. <laughs> no, but you asked. I answered. Not really. <laughs> I did not ask that. Uh, Matt, all right, you, what do you think? One of Nicole's uh, best friends are? Uh, I would say it's definitely her, her experience in, in, in the party and, and in politics and knowledge of the the whole system and uh, how it all works. She's been here much longer than I have. And um, and I'm, and to be honest, I'm, I'm quite new to the party and, you know, to, uh, to uh, the uh, political system. I'm, I'm a um i'm an anarchist you know at heart so i'm not a big fan of politics and the only reason i want to get involved in it now is because the uh, the state is going off the rails in a serious way and there's no um uh, there's 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 no sitting back now we have to we have to get in the fight and we need someone to do it so i guess uh, that's it all right, cool, cool. Uh, all right, I'm going to go this one to uh, Joey Grandview. He says, Allegheny County here. What do you think is the best way regular people can help the liberty movement? Uh, let's start with Tim. Uh, best way is get involved with something. Do what you can where you are with what you have, um, whether it's going out and finding your local Libertarian County affiliate or just find another like-minded people who are into liberty and doing things voluntarily. Um, just going out there and showing people that that you know maybe are thinking about doing some of that thing, but they're afraid because there's no other group doing it. Show them that they're not alone. You know, once you have one person, then you have three people, then you have nine people. The next thing you know, you've got an army, and we're taking our country back. Uh, Matt, yeah, I would. Uh... I would have to say I agree. Like getting getting involved, uh, especially from the the in the the side of developing community. Um, one of the greatest things I've discovered is getting involved is just the the community and and getting to know other people who are interested and just spreading that message. Um, even outside of the Libertarian Party, uh, just talking to people in your neighborhood, people you work with, talk to your neighbors and and spread the message. Tell them what they need to know. Tell them what's going on, and just 
cast helped cast doubt on the state. Um, right now, there's a lot of a lot of uh, interest in the schooling system. Just so going to your local town government meetings, your school board meetings, especially, is huge, huge. Uh, just to understand and learn what how the system works and what's going on, and it's a really powerful thing. Uh, Nicole. So coming from um, a government agency where change happens quite often, change is hard for people. Um, people don't like change. So you have to meet them where they are and help them grow. So like Tim said, getting out there into your community and talking to them, going to your school board meetings, like Matt said, they're all good things, but you, you still have to meet them and you have to help them grow into liberty because like I said, change is hard. People get stuck in a rut. They like the same old, same old. They don't like change because they know the evil they have and they're afraid of the evil they might get. They just don't realize that the Libertarian Party isn't evil. We're here to help you. We're here to help you lower your taxes, to get the government out of our school systems, to get the government out of our businesses. Some of us pay ridiculous um, license fees for our businesses. So people don't understand that that can change because it's never been changed. And if it has been changed, it's never been changed for the better. All right. Uh, uh, sorry, I heard of that one. Okay. Uh, one from Morgan Mogus. Uh, what are your top priorities or issues you'll be advocating for on the campaign trail? Uh, Nicole, let's start with you for that one. Our rights. Every single one of our rights, they're on the table constantly. Every time we turn around, our rights are on the table. They want to take away our guns. They want to have abortion laws. They want to do everything that they possibly can to make our lives miserable. And our rights are the most important thing to us as individuals. Without those rights, we are nobody. So we need to keep our rights. We need to keep what we have and fight for what we have. If I want to own an AR, I'm going to own an AR. Nobody can stop me. Um, if I want to, and not saying that I will, but if I was pregnant and I wanted to either have an abortion or adopt the child out to somebody else, those are my rights. And I get to make those decisions for me. If I want to go to a business and not wear a mask, that is my right as an individual. But we also have to weigh that with the right of the business. So there, there, we have to watch our rights. We can't give them up. When we give them up, it's too hard to get them back. All right, uh, Tim. So as Lieutenant Governor, I'd be president of the General Assembly, which is a pretty monumental responsibility. One of the big things that I would want to focus on would be really promoting the Defend the Guard motion or the Defend the Guard movement. And you can find that at defendtheguard.us. Um, what that is, is basically saying that without an act of declared war legally by Congress, that states are not required to send their national guard forces to fight and die for these foreign wars um which is especially i think prescient considering what's happening now in uh, ukraine and russia so that's one of the big things i'd focus on another big thing would be property tax reform for owners homeowners because uh, i know myself i have 16 acres here and my property taxes are absolutely ridiculous um they keep going up every single year and not a single extra ray of sunshine or extra drop of water falls on my property but it keeps costing me more and more to rent it from the state um and that is pardon the uh, pardon the pun or the, pardon the language here that's bullshit okay uh matt 
Well, I mean, obviously, uh, defend, you know, defend the guard is one of my, my top issues because uh, being a guardsman myself, um, I see what, what these deployments do and how, how little the system cares about these soldiers and just sends them away into to foreign lands and uh, over and over and over again, destroying their, their minds and their spirits and their families. And it's a really tragic thing uh, to see how much destruction it does. And I, I, like, I, I, I think that there's few things at worst that the state could possibly do. Um, you know, promising these kids that help your community, get free school, and, and then destroy their lives. Um, and then the, uh, the next thing would be uh, the COVID tyranny. Um, I, I think this cannot be let go. The, there's a, a major pressure to change the narrative. Everyone just suddenly dropping it, wag the dog, move on to something else. When it's clear that we were lied to repeatedly for two years about numerous things, this has caused enormous amount of harm, and this cannot be allowed to slide. I think Wolf needs to be buried under Gitmo, and this should not be allowed to slide, and we can't forget. So, yeah. Now, when you see like the numbers of like uh, of how many kids like killed themselves in the last like two years, opposed to like previous years, and like all the child harm numbers and like domestic violence numbers have increased so dramatically. When that John Hopkins, I'm gonna probably get fucking banned for you for saying this, but the John Hopkins study was like, oh, we estimated probably say four thousand lives in lockdowns. Like, oh, that was worth it. All this negative shit was worth the four thousand lives we saved. Great, I'm glad. We, it's right. we have no idea the the harms, the long term harms of these right. of these vaccinations. There's no there's no information on it. It's gonna be a allegedly. mystery to us. Well, I mean, we there's no, a lot of say that there, on YouTube. So allegedly, <laughs> I mean, long term information is not is not is not known. So it, it's a mystery to what what's gonna happen. You know, like hopefully everything's gonna be fine and there's not gonna be too much destruction, but. Yeah. yeah, it could be terrible. Allegedly. <laughs> Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are no, um, there's nothing in place for the guardsmen that are coming back to help them get back into civilian life. I know my brother-in-law was sent to Iraq um, when that war first started, and um, his wife was pregnant with their second or third child when he was over there. And when he came back, there was like no system in place to help them integrate back into life and i don't know if that's changed i don't know if you've because you're probably newer in the guards than he was is so, there did they do anything have they so there are there are some, you know some support groups and things like that but by and large the way that the army treats you or the military treats you in general is they treat you like you're a king while you're in the military but then once you're no longer of use to them they largely discard you you know, you're no longer using your gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I watched happen, um, with him. And it's, it's, it's horrible. Um, I saw a yes. lot of his friends come back and I know that they have their own support group, but it's not like it's anything within the military to help them. And that's something that we need to look at to change. A, a, a lot of guys depend on, on their former, former battle buddies to keep them, yes. keep them going, keep them alive. Yes. And and, and and I know that they check on check in on each other at least once a week, if not once a month. I know they they do it quite often because I've had quite a few friends in the military. Um, so I know that there is a support system. It's just not what it should be, and nowhere near as vast as it needs to be. I mean, the, the real the real thing though is that this should never be happening in the first place, right? No one should be ever sent overseas, and anyone. Uh, promoting or, or promoting this this pro-war propaganda, Ukrainian propaganda, should be ashamed of themselves because the end result of this is going to be American boys and girls being sent to die. And it shouldn't be tolerated. Exactly. When it came to the board, I was on the board at the time. Um, 
And when we voted on it, I voted for us to back defend the card because I know what it does to families to send them overseas. And it's not something that should be done. Um, the, the guard was enacted to help us maintain the level that we need in our own country. Our, um, our career armed forces are the ones supposed to be going overseas and fighting overseas if need be. Our National Guard is supposed to stay here and defend us if we need them. And if they're not here, then what are we doing? It's, it, it should never be that way. Who's defending our nation while everybody else is overdoing whatever it is that needs to be done? There's nobody defending us if we send them all over there. Right. I agree. I've always been a big fan of a, a reservist, peer reservist military, which is why I was in the National Guard in the first place. I was anti-interventionist when I joined. And um, it's you see people leave instead of just being uh, you know, career soldiers. But No, you guys are 100% right. Um, all right. We got uh, our question from our new EVC himself, Anthony Portillo. From a philosophical perspective, as libertarians, can can can't spell though. Great. Can you give example of how free markets are superior to state controlled entities? Uh, Matt. Uh, I know, uh, my, uh, my man, Anthony is going with this one. Um, oh man, I'm going to have to say the, uh, UPS versus USPS. I know this is going to, uh, upset, uh, my, uh, my opponent here, but, uh, <laughs> I uh, think that's the best example. You look at, um, uh, ex difference between say usps uh the the time to deliver in a, a mail even maybe it's only a couple of days versus say like amazon right amazon is their own uh last mile delivery service I, I click a button right now and i'll have it in my driveway tomorrow and that's that's quite impressive fair i will not turn this into a debate about the post office i swear to christ <laughs> this will not be this episode of this podcast yeah so, Nicole, I'm, gonna give question? You, I'm gonna give you a response do not go into a rant at the post office. <laughs> so, okay, so I understand where Matt's coming from and I totally get it. But what a lot of people don't understand is how the Postal Service actually supports UPS, FedEx, DHL, and Amazon. They cannot physically make a delivery to every address and make it profitable. There's no way, which is why all of those companies drop their packages off at the post office for the last mile because the post office does go to each and every one of those addresses. I understand that everybody thinks the free market is better than some controlled state entities. I will agree with you that there are a lot of issues in the post office, and I could probably talk 10 hours on the issues in the post office. However, those same issues are found in UPS, FedEx, DHL, and Amazon. It's all the same. It's basically the same thing, just broken down into different things. They all have the same issues. They all have the same delivery problems. There's no, it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges though too um, with that. So if I was going to go with a free market and a controlled entity, I would say Comcast compared to some of the other smaller um, internet servers. Comcast is a conglomerate. It has it, it has everything, you know, you see Comcast everywhere and the smaller companies that are trying to compete are trying to, I think areas like that where we need to look at. Um, I, I know everybody goes after the post office, but a lot of people don't understand the laws that are acted within the post office to keep you and your mail safe. And I think there needs to be more education on that. I agree that um, it, it needs fixed. It's not perfect. 
But you also have to remember that if you go free market with the post office, those areas that are huge cities like um, New York City and um, Washington and those areas will get bought up quickly. The areas out in Cody, Wyoming or um, in the middle of Arizona, where it takes miles, miles and miles to get those to those deliveries, they will not get deliveries as much and they will cost more. So you have to look at the market before you decide that's where you want to go. Because somebody from Cody, Wyoming, who wants to ship something, let's say to my house, it's going to cost them triple what it would cost somebody in New York City to deliver something outside of New York City. And I don't think that's fair. You also have to look at the regulations that save, that protect your mail from other people coming in and stealing your mail and stealing your identity. So I think that's a wrong, that's a wrong area to go. Um, you, you may think that I defend the post office because I work there, but I guarantee you, I hate the post office more than anybody on this planet. Okay. Tim. So I will not be talking about uh, postal service or any other delivery systems. Uh, I would like to focus more on something that's near and dear to my heart, big food. Um, and what I mean by that is like the corporate entities that control some 95% of all the food production in America and all the sweetheart deals and tax breaks and regulations that they get passed through so that a small little mom and pop uh, establishment, a small holder, much like myself, for instance, um, the steps that I need to go through to get anything done on this farm that, that one of these giant companies could do with the stroke of a pen and writing a check to a lawyer, you know, would take me months and months and months would take any other person months and months and months because we don't have the resources, lawyers and, you know, a, a, attorneys and marketing people and lobbyists to go out and say, Hey, we need this regulation so that we can do X, Y, and Z on our land, just make it happen. Um, for me, I have to do environmental studies. I have to do soil tests. I have to come up with a yearly manure plan. Um, my yearly manure plan is that I move my animals to different fields, and they poop there, and then they get moved. That's my manure plan. But I have to submit that to the state. Otherwise, they could come in and say, well, you're not, you know, because we're in a, the Chesapeake Bay runoff here. Uh, they could come in and say, like, well, you're not effectively disposing of your manure. We're going to shut you down. And then they would take and kill all my animals and send me the bill for it. So in the free market, what you would have would be a small holder like me that says, I've raised some goats. My neighbor across the street says, I have some apple trees. I raised some apples. I would like to trade you some apples for some goat meat. That's as complicated as it really needs to be. Thank yeah, you. I'm I my soapbox. I, Tim, I, I, I feel you on that because you know I have a farm too and I have animals but I have like the almost the same problem that you have I have because we have fruit and we have ground fruit so we have like strawberries blueberries and stuff like that but I have chickens and I let my chickens free range so if my chickens poop anywhere near my fruit I have to clean it up because it could cross contaminate and cause salmonella and all this other stuff and I'm like they're just chickens. They're they're just doing what they're well, supposed to do. Organic bug control. They would much rather that you exactly. spray hundreds and hundreds of pounds of petroleum-based, you know, chemicals on your strawberries because that's safer they for the organic. environment. Well, and here's the thing: if I wanted to be an organic farm, which I tip, technically I am an organic farm, but I just won't pay the billions of dollars or the millions of dollars to the FDA so I could be considered an organic farm. The right. chickens take care of the bugs. 
The rain waters them. I do nothing. I plant them and I go out and pick them. I'm the laziest farmer you will ever meet. And effectively, the government owns the term organic because of the forms that you have to file with mm -hmm. the government to be able to label your food as organic. Mm -hmm. And then the check that you have to pay to the USDA to use the word organic. Yep. And if I'm you use it, it and you haven't written them that check, they will come for you. Oh, yeah, they will. Because people will ask me, are you organic? And I'm like, no, I can't say that I'm organic, but I don't use pesticides. It actually is cheaper to use pesticides on your farm, which is ridiculous, than it is to be organic when you don't do anything. Wow. This is, I didn't know any of this. <laughs> this is, that's just bullshit. Fucking government, man. Uh, it's well, that's okay. Nuts. The the, crazy. the labels and stuff that I have for my jars of um, jam, they have to get approved by the FDA, and I have to pay a lab for each. So I have forty seven flavors. I had to pay sixty five dollars for one test for each flavor, and I had to pay eighty five dollars for another test for each flavor. So I could have the labels put on there and they are approved by the state and the FDA so I can be in grocery stores. That's crazy. Just, uh, just, just don't even start talking about dairy farming. You know, like well, we, have dairy? Goats, we, have, we have goats as well. I mean, you know, Tim and I both yes. have both have goats and there's no way. I mean, I, I could ever, ever sell milk to anyone. Yeah, no, it's fine. No, no, because the, I never well, sell goats. Hey, do you guys want to do a dairy podcast together? What the fuck? We got it. Actual dairy farmers actually have. There's a tax on milk that most people don't know, and it's not really. It's a tax, but it's not really a tax because it's mixed in with the milk price. So basically, twenty five cents off of every dairy product sold goes back to the agent the um agency that they take that tax and then they give it to each each company whether or not they are in pa so let's say nestle sells so much milk or milk in their chocolate or whatever um they have a they have a plant in france so that 25 cent tax on everything that's sold here goes to france it doesn't go to the dairy farmers. Some of the companies will give it and break it up to the dairy farmers, but it's not, um, it's like a flat rate to everybody. So if I have two cows, I'm going to get the same rate back as somebody who has 140 cows. It's, it's ridiculous. That's and, and dumb. try to figure out the math on, I had a dairy farmer, I sat down and talked to him and he's like, oh yeah, this is the formula that we use to figure out the price of milk. And I'm like, what is this? Because it it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen. He's like, yeah, it's it's made up. We don't know how they do it. No, we get it. Like, scumbags, guys. I'm gonna end the dairy conversation. <laughs> Stop. Done. No more dairy. I, no more questions about dairy. No more goats, cows. I swear to God, I'll end it. All right. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Fucking crazy. All right. Uh, let's get one from Mr. Brazaco. Who do you think would be the voting demographic that your message will resonate the best with, and why? Uh, we'll start with Tim. Dairy and goat farmers. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think anybody that, that appreciates and loves Liberty is going to be the best demographic. I don't think that Liberty knows a specific age or sex bracket. You know, I think it's, you know, one thing that I did notice when the campaign that I ran for state Senate last year was that it didn't matter what the person I was talking to looked like, like how old they were, you know, what gender, what, you know, race, what background they were. Like once you started talking to them about, I want to help improve your rights. I want to fight for your freedoms and defend your liberty. They're right there with you. So I don't think that there is a specific demographic that's probably going to be most receptive 
apart from goat and dairy farmers. Uh, Nicole, how about you? I think a good candidate knows her demographics and knows how to talk to each and every single one of them. So you shouldn't have a message that just resonates with one. You should be able to to reword your message and not lie, but reword it so that other people outside of that demographic will understand it also. Um, I know that I had done a, a talk um, with somebody else back um, I think it was back September and we were up in, um, Wayne County and we were talking and people were asking questions and the group of people that we were talking to was a group of Republicans and they asked about open borders and Republicans love the open borders. Um, some do, some don't. Um, but th while they understand that there's a need for people to be coming into the United States, they don't feel that everybody should be paying for them. And I agree with that. And the talking point that we had was if they're sponsored coming in by a church or by a youth group or by, you know, another community, that community should be the ones supporting them first. And we had a long talk about it and I had a standing ovation over it, but it was because I knew the people that I was talking to. I knew that my values kind of aligned with their values, even though they were a little different, but we came to an agreement. And so if you're going to do this correctly, you have to know your demographic and you have to know how to talk to them because you need to try and reach as many people as you can to bring them into liberty. Mr. Hackenberg? Well, uh, I'm going to be speaking to the remnant, of course, uh, primarily of uh, our fellow people who love liberty or have an inherent sense that they, they know they need liberty, they want liberty in their lives, they, they want to be individuals. And those people who over the past couple of years have increasingly realize that what they've been told and what they've been led to believe is all, are all lies, that the system does not work as they were told, that we live in a system where we have two different systems of laws, laws that apply to us and laws that apply to the ruling class. There's a, a system where we have, you know, we are being told to take a pharmaceutical product, whether we want to or not, and we have a, a pharmaceutical company being exempt from all liability, where we are told that we have to accept a little uh, suffering for the benefit of the people of Ukraine. And uh, then the uh, Raytheon and uh, Boeing get to boost their, uh, their, their profits this year. So I'm speaking of the people who are mad, the people who are really pissed off, the people who are sick and tired of being treated like they are worthless trash and they're just tax slaves. So the remnant. The remnant. No, that's it's all you guys have good answers. Uh, all right, let's go to B, uh, yeah, BJ Hebenthal. What would you consider a successful campaign, Matt? Go. <laughs> well, uh, I'm uh, I'm going with the uh, the, the bold messaging uh, strategy. My idea of a, a successful campaign is is making waves and getting attention, and even if it's um, you know some bad press for offending some people. Uh, I think that's fine. We need to reach out and get to as many ears as possible. Uh, get that at the very least, if if to get that that mind virus in people's heads that can sit there and grow and, and percolate, and 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 grow this movement over time. You know what? You know, let's let's be honest here. There's no there's no way, even if uh, majority of people wanted 
any of us to win. There's no way we're ever going to be allowed to be governor. Um, and so I, I, I think that the most important thing we need to do is we need to drive culture. And that's, that's probably my primary focus. <coughs> Agreed. Excuse me. God damn it. Nicole. I don't know about you, but nobody's ever allowed me to do anything. I just do what I want. Um, a successful campaign is getting out there and spreading the message as far and wide as we can, um, bringing people into the liberty movement, getting at least 3% or more, possibly even 5% um, of votes. I know that Tim got 4%. Am I correct, Tim? Um, just, just under 4 just under 4% for his campaign not too long ago. So getting out there, knocking on doors, talking to people, meeting them where they live and understanding who they are and how they function and what we can do to make their lives better, what laws we can change, get a better understanding of what is needed. We may not be governor that may end up being the thing, but I'm going to run this campaign like I'm in it to win it. There's no other way. It's I'm I'm either going full force or I'm at a full stop and I don't do full stop. Uh, Tim. A successful campaign campaign would be, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a win. Uh, anything less than that is is a loss, period. Uh, if we're doing this, we need to do the damn thing to win. Um, not just go out there and say we need to to be bold, which we do. We need to get 5%, which we do. Like We need all of us to believe that we can win it. Uh, one of my other former jobs in a, in a previous life was as a pro wrestler. And one of the things that we were always taught was when you go out into that ring, doesn't matter what the people believe. As long as you believe it, they'll believe it. So as long as we believe we can win and we believe that we will win, and I do, then we win. I like to say, I think that professional wrestling is a very apropos because it's a great analogy to the state that we live under where you have a, uh, you know, two, uh, fake uh, actors play play fighting for the amusement of don't, others don't say fake we don't say fake oh i mean uh um pretend fighting and uh and and, <laughs> and i you know don't don't misunderstand me i'm i'm fighting to win as well but i just don't i'm not playing the same game as everyone else is playing i don't think that there's any solution through electoral politics i think electoral politics is largely a distraction to keep us you know feeling that we are part of the system is manufacturing consent so bread and circuses so much exactly exactly all right we got a question from uh the chair of my county bucks the great joe abyssal we as in the lppa had has had some individuals say and do some very inappropriate things about to about slash two other libertarians how will you get people to focus energy on liberty not each other uh, let's start with um, Nicole on this one. So being in the Libertarian Party, I've had some of that directed at me. So I totally understand. Um, I am not about diminishing somebody else's personality or person. That's not who I am. I am here to build other people up. I want everybody to... And I know people are like, we're not going to all agree. We're not going to all sit around and sing Kumbaya. I get it. But when I've had people from different areas of the LP to my farm, we're, you know, we're camping out. We have a campfire. We're all drinking. We're all partying. We're, you know, having breaking, basically breaking bread together and learning about one another. I think when you have 
a different atmosphere that everybody can come in. And, and I had a strict role, no politics. We will not talk politics at all this weekend. Not here, not now. It's strictly to get to know one another. And I think we need more of that in the LPPA. I think once we reach each other on the same turf and we talk about things that are not political related and we talk about our dogs or our animals or our kids or, you know, we went to this college. Um, Joel left us, but um, Joel was in State College. He spent a lot of time in State College. I grew up in State College. So we have to find that common ground and then we have to work from there. Um, you will not hear me speak badly in public about another person. I am sorry. My husband just got home, so the dogs are going crazy. Okay. Um, I will not speak badly in public about another person. I may have conversations with my husband about some people because I'm frustrated and I'm irritated and I need to get it out. But like, I will not speak badly about him in public. I will not speak badly about another person in public. I just, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't solve anything. Um, if, if I'm mad at you, I'm coming directly to you and saying, I'm mad at you. That's just who I am. I, this whole pettiness is, is just that it's petty and we are not in high school. We are grown adults. We need to act like them. Agreed. Um, Tim. So got a real simple, you know, thing that I live by with my kids and that is more is caught than is taught. Like just be an example. You know, I go out of my way to work with everybody. Everybody knows that I'm caucus agnostic. I may have been the first person to actually coin that phrase that a lot of people have been stealing lately, but it's absolutely true. I don't care what shirt. caucus you're in or whatever, you know, petty little BS, gripes, clicks, whatever we are. And um, if I don't get along with somebody, I don't get along with somebody. But if they want to work with for liberty together, I got your back 100%. So, you know, I think the easiest way is just to actually – to do what you say that you're going to do. And that is to fight for Liberty. And that's what I think that I do every opportunity that I get. Good. Uh, Matt. Unmute yourself and then you can talk. <laughs> still muted. Still muted. Still muted. There you go. <laughs> so uh, as uh, I'm going to steal this one from my very lovely wife, uh, Laura Hackenberg, or treasurer and treasurer uh and this is a, a plan that uh, that um i think is smart and that is a developing a team building events so you know one day or or a weekend where we can have everyone goes and do the trust falls and um, those uh, sumo wrestling bouncing off each other things and um i think that would be a good way because the thing is we 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 spend so much time apart from each other and we spend so much time each other not actually interacting with each other we're just either most of the time, not even not even faces on a screen. It's just a, a, a voices that you know we can't stand listening to. We listen to eight plus hours at a time, and um, they're not. We're not people anymore to each other. We're just we're just a thing that annoys us. And you know, we see when we're we're in person, we see each other's faces. We see that we're human beings, and we need we need more in person uh, activity. And 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 I think we should have more in person uh, meetings too, even if it might be frustrating. Um, but in general, it's just to focus on uh, meeting each other and also focusing on de-escalating. Um, everyone, you know, people have, I've talked to a lot this weekend, I've done a lot of trying to de-escalate conflict. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I just want this to be a, a, you know, a system of love. You know, we just all just need to feel the love and work together because the enemy is the state and not each other. And we need to stop fighting amongst each other. 
Oh, Just great. A FYI yes. for the balls that the trust balls. So we've used them and we have them here at the farm that we bring out. Make sure that you have more than enough for the kids because they will steal them and then the adults don't get to play with them at all. So make sure you have plenty. And then they have a road course too that you can lay down and then you can like the balls follow the road course and you can race each other. It's really cool. Uh, Jacob wants to know why York County is best county. I'm going to stop you right there. It's Bucks because we're the best looking county. I already established this multiple times. So it's us. Team elected libertarians. Suck it, nutter. We've got it. We're better looking as a group. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> I already committed to that role of what I said. So I got to double down. Uh, next question. Actually, well, actually, we'll be come from Jacob. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll give you York guys another uh, question. Um, yeah. What do Nicole and Matt think is their personal weakness in terms of their ability or qualifications to run an effective campaign? What would they do to compensate? So, Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, I would say it's my my experience, my knowledge of the you know, the political system and the party, and um, but I'm not too concerned about it personally. I think it's a it's a benefit. I think it's a it's a perk really, because you no know, people are sick of the of the you know, career politician type. So being clueless is maybe even best. But uh, I'm not worried about it either because I, I have a great system, a great apparatus behind me. Um, you know, I've gotten to know some very brilliant people who are quite experienced, and they are extremely excited. For, for me to run and to help me. Um, the, the Mises Caucus has developed this, this amazing apparatus of, of people and, and very highly motivated and very capable people. And uh, I'm, I'm confident on that support. And I'm confident that that'll be, that, that system will be integrated into, in, into the LPPA to benefit all, all candidates in the LPPA. And I'm really, really hopeful and really, really excited to see where we as a party have to go regardless of who runs. So. Awesome, Matt. Uh, Nicole? My weakness is I can be shy at times. If I'm in a room full of people that I don't know, I tend to gravitate to a corner. Um, it It's something that I know that is my weakness and I work on it constantly. So I'm constantly putting myself in areas where I don't know people so I can get over that weakness. You can also hear it sometimes when I talk, I forget to breathe. Um, and then I, my voice gets like raspy and it sounds weird, but that's because I'm shy and I don't like talking in public, but it's something that I'm working to get over, um, with. So I, you know, we, I do things here at the house. Like I have little speeches in my mirror and I get into a group of friends and talk. There are a lot of different things that I can do to help that. And I'm working on them. And I think as I grow, I will improve and my speeches will get better. And I won't have that raspy voice going on because I'm constantly in my head going, breathe. You need to breathe. Yeah, public speaking is a thing that, again, number one feared uh, thing before death, which is funny to me. Right. Like, that's it. Like, you're actually scared of talking public more than actually dying, which is crazy. Like, I am not afraid of anything. I Well, maybe heights, but that's a different story. But I'm really not afraid of anything. I'm like, and, and I guess working for the post office, as long as I did and have th some of those mail carriers just in my face screaming at me because I'm the postmaster and I'm telling them they have to do something they don't want to do. And they think that if they scream at me that I'm going to give up and give in and let them have it. Nah. Nah, I'm just going to double down. <laughs> you won't like me. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, public speaking isn't that hard. You just have to uh, go up repeatedly for years on end, uh, get get no laughs, no looks. People hate you. And then eventually you get kind of decent. And then you just have to want to kill yourself a lot. And that's how you get good at public speaking, guys. 
So yes, where I, at are you in there? Because you're not kind of decent part. I knew that was coming, but kind of <laughs> decent part is where I'm at. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, Laura Lasser, what about the vaccine mandates? There was a part two to that, which you meant like, what would you guys do about them? So what would you guys do about the vaccine mandates? Uh, we'll start with Tim. I hate government mandates, period, full stop. So I would do everything in my power to rescind them and try to make whole anybody who was damaged that got a vaccine against their will or because they were forced into it to keep a job to try and make them whole, whether it be going after the employer that forced them to get it unconstitutionally or, you know, trying to repeal this BS where you, you can't sue the vaccine manufacturer and they can't, won't even release their studies for 75 years. So. Yeah. Very shady. <laughs> uh, Matt. Well, I uh, absolutely would prohibit uh, uh, any kind of uh, vaccine mandates. Um, now, like, it's definitely not something that should be encouraged. The mandate should not be tolerated uh, at all whatsoever, uh, especially not from the state. Um, I think there's a problem with the, in the healthcare industry, which is uh, you know, largely outside of the Medicare, Medicaid facilities is, is not an issue, but any facility that accepts Medicare, Medicaid is mandated by federal law. So I would, I would probably want to um, ban that. And even though it uh, might be use of force, it's a use of force against the federal government and uh, as a defensive measure. And that's really what we have to use the states for at this point as defense against the feds. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're the party hurting more than the states at this point. I mean, let's be honest. Cause they're threatening, again, like uh, they're threatening money to all these states and all these, like, especially the threat of like restaurants themselves just being sued or taking their shit away and they can't, Regular person can't afford that shit, so they fucking, you know, just give into it. Yeah, it's all complete corruption. Uh, Nicole? I agree. Um, there, We shouldn't have mandates. If somebody wants to do that, they have that choice. Um, and unfortunately, I am one of those ones who did get the vaccine because I have some underlying health conditions. And my family doctor thought it was better for me to get the vaccine than to get COVID. So we had that whole discussion only for me to have a reaction to the COVID vaccine by getting pericarditis and ending up in the hospital. So um, in August, I spent over a week in the hospital with pericarditis, and then I had to restrict all of my activity for five months after it, six months after it. Um, and they still constantly are checking me to make sure that it doesn't come back because it can come back. And if I get COVID, it, there's a good possibility that I will get pericarditis with COVID if I get COVID. So I am kind of one of those ones where I I understand why they did the mandate. I don't like it. Um, I don't think it should have happened. I think that if you had enough information and you were educated on the vaccine, that it should be your choice and it should always be your choice. Um, I hate any time that they rush a vaccine out because you never know what the side effects are going to be. Um, they did not know that and they they kind of knew going in that there was a possibility for younger men to get myocarditis which was um showing up in some of the research but they did not know that females would get pericarditis from it um and if um if you don't know the difference myocarditis is when the heart swells and pericarditis is when the pericardium the sac that the heart sits in swells so it kind of squeezes your chest it squeezes your lungs you can't breathe it's it's not a, it's not a fun thing to go through um 
So I think if we're going to do anything, we need to educate the public on what the possibilities of vaccines are um, instead of mandating them. There, there's just so many things that we don't know. And, and you can have a vaccine, like you can get the flu shot every year and still have a reaction to one flu shot because it's a little different than the last, the last five or six that you've had. So, and I think rushing vaccines out too quickly and having them um, combined with other vaccines, um, like some people who had the shingles vaccine because they hit the age of 50 and it's time to get the shingles vaccine and then had the COVID vaccine on top of it, had other issues. So I don't think they really did a whole lot of research on what needed to be done. So I, I think before you mandate anybody to do anything, it's kind of like the seatbelt mandate. It's, it's my choice. If I want to wear my seatbelt, I'm going to wear my seatbelt. If I don't, I, I'm not going to. It, it should be my choice. I will be the one that suffers the consequences from making my choice. That's how it should be. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Morgan said, uh, Adam, not going to lie, I almost nominated you for Senate. Think what have been good for your career. Morgan, if you nominated me for Senate, I would have hunted you down like Predator and ripped your fucking spine out and held up in the moonlight as a trophy. Do you hate me? I would never do that. I would never run for anything. That's crazy. No, never. No one ever nominated me for anything. I'll kill you. Never. That's a, for real. Don't ever. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. <laughs> fucking Senate? No way. Uh, oh, this is actually a good question. Bill Cox. The Pennsylvania Turnpike is the most expensive toll road in the world. If elected, what, how? How would you fix that? Uh, we'll go with Nicole first. Okay. A lot of people don't know that Interstate 80 was also supposed to be a turnpike. And along with the funds from both of them, they were supposed to, um, yeah, it was 80. I'm pretty sure it was 80. Um, they were supposed to use that money to help fix roads, bridges, blah, 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 blah. We all hear the story. We all know what they say. <sighs> Get rid of the damn turnpike. We're done. Um, they want here in Harrisburg, we have um, the 83 bridge. It goes across the Susquehanna river from the West shore to the East shore. Um, and they want to do a dollar toll on that on both ends to cross the bridge to help pay to repair and fix that bridge. What happened to all the other money that we had sitting in there to fix the roads and bridges? They've gone to the state police. They've gone to other areas. They've filled gaps, budget gaps in the corrections department with that money. That money that we've all paid in for taxes to fix these roads and bridges have yet to be used to fix these roads and bridges until they are able to use the money where it was allocated to, we shouldn't be giving them any more money. They can't, they can't properly. Um, sorry, you're going to hear some noises. They, they can't properly use the money that we've given them in the areas that they need to be given to. So why give them more? I, they, it's kind of like a child. You give them their allowance and you tell them, okay, this, you should save this amount and you should, you know, the, the rest is for you to spend. If they don't save the amount that they're supposed to save, why would you give them more? Uh, Tim, uh, I know you got to bounce, but you want to answer this and then, and then get out of here? Yeah, no, easy. Privatize the hell out of it. And then also end the state store system in Pennsylvania and then issue everyone an AR-15. <laughs> All right, I got to bounce. Tim, Thanks a lot, guys. Lieutenant Governor, Nicole and Matt. Thanks for having me. Bye, Tim. Me.
I would say I love you guys, but Nutter's there. I've already Aww. made out with him once this I love you, Tim. I did kiss two men this weekend, just for the record. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I, I would feel like uh, I feel like uh, Bill is trying to get uh, squeeze a uh, Mo Rhodes argument in here, but uh, uh, so it... yeah, I, I, it must be. I mean, who else? Why else would you ask a Rhodes question to a libertarian? I don't know. That's a good point, Matt. <laughs> um, well, you guys can answer. Uh, obviously, um, you can privatize it, right? Or right, you yeah. Liquidate all state assets and sell it to uh, private companies to manage. And but real private companies, not you know the state fascistic private companies right agreed all right mr joe bissell again gotta give love to my bucks uh the left wants to push crt in our schools the right wants to ban books from libraries what is the correct issue on these positions <laughs> so that question sounds like that's like a fucking after school special question uh, so uh matt what do you think uh obviously eliminate all public schools i mean this the state's involvement in the schools is is not for uh, any kind of kindness or you know good hearted you know just to help kids get better or excel. They're just to indoctrinate kids. So it doesn't matter. I don't care if they indoctrinate it to make to the left or to the right. I just don't want the state indoctrinating my children. They should all be eliminated. Fair, Nicole. Wow, <laughs> um, that's a loaded question. I agree that it, none of this should be in the schools. Um, I am one who will pick up a book and I will read it from one end to the other in about an hour. Um, it, I have rooms full of books. Um, I don't think we should be telling anybody what they should believe or what they shouldn't believe. That comes from the parents. So I agree that, you know, I, I, I don't think banning the school system because we do need some type of schooling for our children for them to learn um whether it be private or you know online or whatever but i think the parents ha should have more say in what happens in the schools or what happens with our our children being taught um public schools suck we've all been to a public school some of us have been to private school private schools kind of suck too if you want to be you know for being honest um so I, I think we need to find curriculum that fits everybody um, or, or fits everybody's needs at, as what they need because children learn at different paces. Um, and, and, and again, I think the best person to answer those questions are the parents. The parents should be able to say, no, I don't want my child reading that book or no, I don't want my child learning this or I want my child to read this book instead. I, I mean, why are we leaving what the parents should be doing with their children to somebody who doesn't know your child as well as you do. Both very good answers. Uh, let's go with Bill again. By the way, this is Bill, like our Bill Cox, like Western Vice Chair Bill. So I don't think he was asking her my Rhodes question. That would be hilarious if he just went fucking heel. <laughs> but he did ask uh, for all the candidates, do you understand the difference between decriminalization and legalization? And why would? Because, you know, fuck the English, right? <laughs> so, Nicole, why would? Why would do both? <laughs> um, why would you do both? No, no. Yeah. His question is either or. Would you be for either or and why? So I think legalization is better than decriminalization. Um, if you legalize it, then there's no there's no workaround. It's it's legal. Um, if you decriminalize it, I, I'm sure they can find a way. They will make up a way to get you for something. They always do. 
um, legal legalization should be the way we go. Um, and, and if we legalize it, then maybe we can get all those people in prison out that are in there for, you know, a half ounce or whatever it was that they were carrying on them. And now they're in prison and now they have a record. If we legalize it, that stuff goes away. Agreed. <laughs> uh, Matt? So, I assume we're talking about cannabis and I assume by decriminalization, we just mean decriminalization of the, uh, the end user part of it. So like small possession. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know. That's actually a good question. You didn't leave. I get, yeah. I, maybe uh, he means all narcotics. I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, this is that's the usual topic or the usual uh, you know context it's used in. In which case, you still criminalize the manufacturer of cannabis, and which is uh, a big no go in my mind. So if that's the difference in, in legalization. Then yes, obviously, I support legalization. I think the government can uh, fuck right off with their with their licensing and their taxation schemes. Um, I don't think there's any benefit to taxing cannabis, and it's not going to help the schools or build the roads or any of that bullshit they try to sell it with. It's all about lining their pockets. So I think, uh, you know, yeah, everything should be, all drugs should be legal, uh, not just cannabis. Um, and uh, there should, the government should just get the fuck out of it because it's not their job. Agreed. Uh, let's go to Joey Grandview. What can we do to rescind taxes on fuel and energy? Matt. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh uh, stop paying taxes. I mean, I, I, at some point, <laughs> at some point, there's going to need to be a pushback. We're going to get hosed harder and harder and harder until we do something, stand and do something, and and start cutting off that spigot, cutting off that taxes, and actually start standing up. We're just going to be crushed down into the mud. They clearly do not care about us. Otherwise, they would have cut taxes already, and they they're, they're not going to because that's uh, that's not their interest. That's not their concern. Nicole. There has actually been a bill on the floor for a while now about getting rid of the fuel tax. Um, they keep changing the goalposts on that. I think somebody needs to get in there and tell them exactly how it needs to be done. We need to get rid of these fuel taxes, especially now. There's no reason for them, and we're paying the price. We have a lot of lower-income people in our area who now can't afford to get gas to go to work. So where's that going to lead us? Um, it's going to lead us with a, a huge amount of unemployment, people not working because they can't afford to, who can afford to fill up their gas tank right now. Um, my husband drives a half hour to work every day. So he's on the road for an hour and, and that's a good day. That's if 83 doesn't have an accident on it and it's not backed up. Um, there are days where it takes them two hours to get to work or, or longer. Um, so it, it's something that every American family is looking at right now because the prices are so high. And Pennsylvania has one of the highest gas taxes out of all of them. And he, here on the news lately, they're saying, oh, well, we're going to get the federal government to back off their gas tax. But they didn't say anything about backing off the Pennsylvania state tax because they still want that money. Um, one of the senators did put up a proposal. There was a few of them. One wants 50 percent off the Pennsylvania gas tax, as well as getting rid of the federal tax for the rest of the year to help these families that are in need because uh, nobody can afford this gas. I don't think there should be taxes on that. If if this is something that we need to get to work, to feed our families and to um make a living to support our families and, and, you know, just small things. Uh, there, there should not be a gas tax. If you think about the farmers and the tractors and how much diesel fuel they take, how is that going to affect our food production and the prices of our food? Uh, so there's a lot of things that 
need to be looked at so that we can say, hey, we're, you know, we're in a downward spiral right now. We need to get rid of these. We need to make gas cheaper. If we need to, you know, uh, produce more of our own gas to lower the price and then get rid of these taxes on the fuel and energy, that's what we need to do. I know I heat my house with oil. Next year, I don't know how I'm heating my house with oil because it's, it, it, I, I, only got 150 gallons the last time and it was close to $800. And I'm like, I can't imagine filling my tank next year. Um, thank God we have a wood stove that we supplement our heat with. So, you know, I'm going to spend all summer looking for, you know, wood and stocking up on that and, and splitting it and everything else. I, because my husband's at work 24 seven, practically with the post office, it, that's going to fall on me to make sure that we have firewood. Yeah. He's, uh, this is fucking getting so high. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, like, what's the breaking point? <laughs> it, it, it's going to cause we're, we're the, the destruction. Yeah, point. for people to be like, oh, it's we're, gonna, we're, it's we're gonna at the point. Yeah, it's it's uh, not when we get there. We are there. Yeah, no, you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, all right. Okay, well, I that question was kind of answered already, so I'm get rid of that one. Uh, oh, all right. John, although I don't know if he's still part of the party or not, but John Waldenberger has, how will the candidates work with both houses to encourage libertarian philosophy before bad laws get to the top, passed and possibly overridden by veto? Uh, Nicole. That's a good question, John. And I think he is still part of the party. I think he just rescinded all of, or resigned from all of his positions in the party, which I didn't think he had any anyway. So I'm not sure what he was talking about when he did that. Um, He's a he's a strange fellow. <laughs> um, how will the candidates work with both houses to encourage libertarian philosophy before bad laws get to the top? I, I think we need to make sure that we're electing um, the right people for the jobs and putting right people in positions when we do get those jobs. We have lobbyists that go down and they talk to everybody and we need to make sure that those people that are speaking for us know how we feel, know what we want and know how to convey the message that we want out there. I think it's going to take a whole group of people to go down and and talk about that. Let's let's face it. They're stuck in their ways. They think their way is right. Um, and they want to believe that everything that they say is right, even though we all know they are wrong. So it, it's going to take a group of people to go down and show them, hey, no, there's a better way. Let's try this, you know, and, and it will take some persuading. And you may have to be at them 24-7 nagging them. But it's what we if it's what we got to do, we got to do it. So I, I may I suggest that uh, Mr. Wallenberger read uh, The Anatomy of the State by Murray Rothbard. And uh, understand a better understanding of the nature of the state. Now, there's no amount of um, working with the, both houses is going to reduce bad laws. Bad laws are the result of the incentives that are inherent to having a state of, of any any design. And um, the only way we change this is by con convincing people that these are illegitimate laws, that these are unjust laws, and that we do not need to follow them. We do not need to buy them. And it's up to us and only us to say no and no more. No, yeah, no, you're right, man. We got to, uh, yeah, it's like, what's, they clearly don't want us involved, the state or the duopoly, right? So it's like, it's like, we got to break through that. It's like, fuck it. We got to figure out a way around it because they're not going to let us play fair. So yeah, it doesn't really yeah. matter. The system is designed to yeah. manufacture consent. It's a facade. It's, it looks pretty, 
but it doesn't really work that way. All things are done in the back and shady deals and it's all corrupt from top to bottom. All right, we, we're, we're having a lot of seconded questions here for, uh, and, and the same question was asked multiple times and getting seconded a lot in the comments. So I'm just going to put it up right now. Bill Cox, how do you feel about secession? And if elected governor, would you advocate for PA to secede from the union? Uh, Matt? I mean, is that even necessary to ask? Of course. <laughs> PA should be uh, its own independent nation or multiple nations even. Uh, whatever works best for the people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Nicole? I am not sure of the legal ramifications of that, so I am going to gracefully bow out and say I do not know enough about this subject to answer it. However, I am not sure that's what Pennsylvania needs. I don't know. Um, that's something that I would have to look look more into. Um, but I think there are some ramifications there that may need to be looked at more. Um I know that doing that, we would take the federal government out of our school system, and there we need to take the federal government out of our school system. Um, we need to take the federal government out of a lot of the stuff. I'm just not sure of the path to that. I just, I just ask: Is you think of the people in D.C. and would you consider any of them ever represent you? Do you think they in any way reflect you and your culture and who you are? And no, nobody people, represents me better right. than I represent me. So, so exactly, exactly. And they, honestly, I, I'm a strong believer in, in, in more like the city state where, you know, it's your own area that, that is sovereign to itself and not some large country with over 300 million people and with a bunch of psychopaths in a little district in, in, in DC yeah. that uh, didn't make everything, make all the decisions for us that affect all of us. And I guess we're seeing right now their decisions are impacting our, our fuel costs and making our lives worse and more difficult. So uh, I, I think it's, if you know, you're, you're a free person, then you're, the only thing you can do is to break this association with this, this horrible, horrible union and uh, go off and do your own thing. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just a dumb comic, but I'm pretty sure constitutionally it says it's allowed for secession, right? Like there's nothing against the Constitution that says you can't it, secede. It, it was uh, understood as being a part yeah. of the, the, the agreement of union. It's a voluntary union. Right. Um, many Many state constitutions originally had that as a right when the, the at the founding of the, the signing of the constitution, and uh, it was only uh, suddenly not lo no longer an acceptable thing when uh, uh, Mr. Lincoln had a, a slight disagreement with uh, some uh, other states. What does our Pennsylvania state constitution say about it? I mean, I mean, all the all these is all removed following the uh, you know following the Civil War. Yeah, but like, you know. yeah, when it comes to that. Like, I don't necessarily. Care, not yeah care i guess care with the pennsylvania constitution i mean we should as a people decide like we should be a i part agree of and like, right so like maybe we should change that if it, if it says well, in there that, the we can, that we can we change that if, shit tomorrow if, what's the constitution <laughs> saying what do know. we need to change in the constitution someone you know? fact check this in the comments and hit me yeah. up. <laughs> I, I mean i think i think the uh you know the, the point is that if you were to do something like that, you would, yeah, obviously amend the Constitution or, or much more significant than that. But which um, is why I said I don't know the legal ramifications I mean, on what needs to be done to do that. I, I think when we're getting to secession, we're talking about extra legal means. I mean, this is like where we're yeah. now we're just doing our own thing here. So because again, let's be honest, it's the only people that would incite violence on that would be the federal government to keep us Correct. in. <laughs> it's Correct. not like we would be like we, we're going to fucking start throwing uh, uh, bombs at the army bases because like you know it would only well, be because they want to and i get that but it, we also have to think about the the people in pennsylvania are we doing harm to them because the, the last thing we want to do is to do harm to our constituents so 
and like I said, I don't know enough about this. This was um, not something that was in my purview. Um, and it's not something that I've heard before. So I guess I'm not running around the same circles that you are. I, I you know, um, I, I, and I don't even think I heard anybody talk about it um, at any of the meetings or anything for the Libertarian Party. It, this is kind of out of the blue for me. So I will admit that I do not know enough about it, but it's something that I will look into and something that I'll, I will research. Um, but I, I really, um, I'm not sure of the ramifications. So I don't want to do anything. Says, don't know how, I mean, how accurate i'm sure he's not lying but unfortunately when you take office you are bound to uphold the constitution of the state and country it would require constitutional change both constitutions do prohibit it. again don't think the united states constitution does prohibit it anywhere i'm pretty sure it doesn't the state might i don't know i don't know the states at all but i'm pretty sure the u.s constitution does not prohibit secession pretty sure d despite what's, what's said that uh you know the civil wars decided that it's that's not the case um, yeah. the Supreme Court decided, but the Supreme Court can be reversed at any time. Right. And really, it's beside the point. It's like, well, you know, it's like saying that you're in a toxic relationship. You can't leave because it's against the rules. It's like, well, that's that's against everything every libertarian can ever believe. You know, right. We believe in free association mm -hmm. and free disassociation. Yeah, I don't care that a bunch of autonomous people who were voted into office, not by me, fucking wrote a thing being like, I can't freely associate with it. It's like, well, all right, man, I didn't. I didn't approve this. Like it's, like, it's like old school thing. Like, well, none of us approved this. <laughs> you know, constitution written by people who are long dead. You know, why right. does this, why does this have any impact? Yeah, no, it's nonsense. Uh, all right. Let's keep this going. Oh, no, I already asked that. Uh, okay. Jacob, how can we hit the ground running to make some noise and attract potential voters? And would each of you work to help the other if you don't get the nomination? Nicole. So I've already hit the round, ground running. Um, I had, obviously, people know that I was running for lieutenant governor, and then everything got switched up. Um, so I've already been out there. Um, I've already been out in the public talking to people. I have people who come up to me when I'm wearing one of my t-shirts or when my husband's wearing one of his t-shirts and saying, hey, I'm going to vote for her. Um, I have when I go to shows, so when I sell my jams and jellies at trade shows, I am out in the public constantly. And most of the time when we're at trade shows, depending on where we are, beside me is the Libertarian Party's table. And they have, we make sure that that's staffed. And I actually pay for most of those tables and those spaces myself just to make sure. And I actually get them in because I do a lot of those events and I'm well known and I'm, um, well regarded in those communities. So they know that if I'm asking to bring somebody in, it's not going to be a dog and pony show. They, I'm well respected. So they, they understand that I am going to have people at that table. Nobody's going to go out and accost anybody because that's the last thing somebody wants at one of those shows um, that, you know, they, they come up and they talk to them um, and they talk to me because I'm right there. So we, we discuss topics um, we discussed like when I was in, when I'm at Carlisle doing car shows, um, last year, the biggest, one of the biggest topics was how the shows were shut down and how Carlisle fought the system and won. Um, and I am friends with the owner of Carlisle. And so, you know, we get to talk to the people face to face out there and we get to listen to their concerns. So I'm already hitting, I've already hit the ground running. I'm already making noise. I'm already getting people saying, Hey, I'm not libertarian, but I love you and I'm voting for you. So I'm, I'm there. I don't have to do anything. I just have to keep going. 
So uh, I've, uh, we actually, before we even decided to do this, we're kind of thinking about taking some time off from work and exploring the state a little bit. So this is going to work perfectly with my campaign. Uh, be able to go around the state, well, assuming I can get there with, with gas or maybe I'll get a horse and ride a horse around the state. Uh, in any case, um, be able to go around. Horse, and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you borrow one of mine. I would love to borrow one of your horses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, in any case, the uh, uh, I plan on focusing on all my time on this. This is this isn't just um, I'm not just playing a game. I'm not just LARPing here. This to me, this is a this is a serious matter of 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 life and death. You know, not to be too hyperbolic, but you know, spread this message and and push it far and wide and make it as loud as as possible. I especially want to go to places where people have been you screwed by the state people have seen the evil of the state in, with their own eyes whether it be you know rehabs or um you know veteran uh you know veteran support groups and things of that nature people where people who are have been harmed and, and have taken great loss uh, because of the state's actions so people who know like they, they know and they're ready to receive that lesson of liberty and uh just get that message out there and get that seed planted so people understand that the state is illegitimate and we have to stand up to them all right. Uh, let's go with Morgan Mogus. Uh, what would you do to combat inflation, uh, Matt? Buy Bitcoin. Obviously, I mean the the only solution is sound money, hard currency. So whether it be uh, Bitcoin, uh, you know the only one and only true cryptocurrency, um, or uh, you know buying precious metals, gold, silver, etc. Uh, and, and hopefully we don't uh, get into the point where our currency is going to be, uh, you know, beans and bullets, but, uh, you know, we'll uh, see how that goes. But my first pick is Bitcoin and that's the only way to do. Uh, yeah. Crypto for sure. Uh, Nicole. Did you guys see where the federal government is now exploring using cryptocurrency and making their own? It's a fake cryptocurrency. <laughs> I agree. That's yeah, it's probably fake, yeah. a fake cryptocurrency, but that kind of scares me. Um, I agree crypt, uh, with cryptocurrency um, and uh, stuff like that. But we also, in the farming community, we do a lot of bartering. Um, and I think we're going to end up getting back to bartering. Um, I know that, like, I barter with other um, other small businesses um, they have something I want. I have something they want and we, we barter. Um, and the barter system kind of keeps the federal government out of it too, because you're swapping product for product. Um, so I think we're going to have a lot of that coming back, especially within the food industry and within the farmers, um, because food prices in the grocery stores are going to go through the roof and it's going to be, um, imperative for people to actually get to know their local farmers and see what they have, see what they can get. Um, sometimes the, if you ask for seconds or thirds, they're not pretty looking, but they're still good. Uh, so I think once we, once inflation hits and it, it and it's going to get bad, we're headed, we're headed there. It, it look at the gas prices, the gas prices are going to make the food prices increase. So it's going to be up to each individual to try and figure that out. And the best way to figure it out is go to the food source and maybe that will help. I doubt it. Um, we've been down this road before and it takes a lot of years to get back out of it once we're in it. So we're, we have to figure out the long program for this one because it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go with 
We kind of answered that already. We kind of answered that one already. Answered that one already. Okay, let's go with Larry Fine's question. Uh, for both of you, how do you intend to fundraise and get signatures in a historically divided party where a substantial minority either opposes you or even thinks any governor nomination is illegitimate? Nicole. So I already have a group of people who have come up to me and said that they will help me get signatures. Um, statewide candidates have to get so many signatures within 10 counties. We have those 10 counties picked out. We have people out there that are willing and ready to go get those signatures. As soon as we um, either get the nod, we're, we're up and running. Um, I already have a system in place. Um, I, I think a lot of people are on the fence on about, about whether or not the nomination is legitimate. Um, we all share those concerns because we're in ground that we've never been on before. So we have to look at that. But there, you know, it is what it is at this point. We either keep going or we stop. Um, we have to wait for people to come. Our, um, I, I know there are people who are sending stuff up to the JC, asking the question on whether or not these nominations are legitimate. Um, I know the board has talked about it. I know that people are talking in other circles, but we have to understand that certain people will have a bias, um, obviously. And, you know, Chuck Moulton will have a bias saying that it's legitimate because he is the, you know, the father of the Moulton maneuver and he wants to see people on the ballot. And we have to understand that he comes to the table with a bias. We also have to understand that there are people who are saying it's illegitimate and they have their reasons for saying that. And we have to understand that they come to the table with a bias. Um, so we have to work our way through all those biases and figure out what the actual truth is. And I think that's going to take people outside the party as well as people inside the party to figure out if it's legitimate or not. But if they find, if we find out it's illegitimate, then that's a road that we have to cross when we get there. Matt. All right. First, I think, um, I think there's a, a bit of a delusion delusion uh, here about uh, the, the, the relative bargaining position that, uh, that we're in. And, um, and, and really, I, I think everyone just needs to, to get over their, their, their pain and their hurt and, and what they're upset about um, and, the, and the bad feelings. We just need to be big boys and suck it up. You know, if you lost and, and, and that hurts and your feelings are hurt, I apologize, but that's the way it goes and we must pick it up and get going. If you can't, well, then get out of the way because frankly, you know, we have, uh, we, we have a, a massive movement of people in the Mises caucus are ready to go and ready to push this. And it's the, if you were at the convention, you saw the domination, complete domination we had at, in, in the elections. And there's a reason for that because there's, there's, a, there's excitement and there's a, there's momentum and we are ready to go. And we want, we would love, we want everyone to be on board. We want every member of, of the LP to be on board. Like honest to God, we, we want to get over this stuff. You know, we want to bury the hatchet and get going because we are not each other's enemy. We are on the same side. And if you can't do that, if you can't get over it, and you want to keep going, you want to keep fighting, then get out of the way. Adam, I think you're muted. 
I am muted. Bill Cox, <laughs> if, if elected, would you refuse to enforce any and all draft enactments should the morons in Washington get us into full-blown war over Ukraine? Matt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would uh, I, I would go as far as to, to, to provide a, you know, defense. I mean, I think that would be akin to kidnapping. You know? So I see no reason why I would treat it any differently. Nicole? Of course, I would refuse. I don't want anybody to go over to a foreign war. Nobody does. Um, it's it's not our war. It's not our business. We shouldn't be there. Uh, yeah, well, not nobody. The media, the president, Raytheon, Boeing, they want to see. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, don't want to. we don't want to. But... Uh, no, of course, no one does. Um, oh, Bill just wanted to say this to you guys. Whether Nicole or Matt wins the nomination, I'll do everything in my power as Western Vice Chair to make sure our candidates five thousand signatures required to be on the ballot. Boom, Bill Cox. Bill, Bill absolutely means it, hundred percent. He's a he's a great yeah. Man. Bill's a good dude. He Bill's is. a good dude. I didn't get a chance to meet him over this weekend. I am. Um... <laughs> I injured my back standing up, so I was a little immobile. I think you saw me at one point, Adam, and I was like, yeah, not walking a, well. It's the most unathletic thing anybody could do, but yeah, you did it. <laughs> standing still, hurting your back. I, uh, you know what? I The first time I injured my back, I actually bent over to pick up a stick to throw it to my brand new puppy, and that was it's been downhill ever since. That's fair. Uh, that's dog fair. will do that to you. Dogs will do that to you. Okay, uh, BJ Heventhal, when will you win? Who will be on your staff? Chief of staff, press secretary, etc. That's a hard one, BJ. That's a real fucking hard one. Uh, Matt? Oof. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, yeah, clearly, chief... Give you press secretary. Man, I'll crush it. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. We'll do uh, Adam Nutter for press secretary, and of course, uh, John Rosso for uh, chief of staff. No, for sure. He's so Still handsome. Another answer. Oh, he is very handsome. So handsome. Very handsome. I know. Motherfucker. Uh, I can only strive to be that handsome. Uh, but I call press secretary. I would be so funny to the press. All right, Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> Is this true press secretary? I'm making you chief of staff. <laughs> no, make me press secretary. I'll, I'll, I'll roast the shit out of them. <laughs> I mean, so it's like a goal of mine. It's like a dream of mine to do that, to roast it to their face as they sit there. Um, I think I would have Tim McMaster as my chief of staff if he doesn't get the, the lieutenant governor nod. Um, but yeah, I, I could see you being a good press secretary. Yes. I think I'd have to steal you. Yes. Um, you or, you know, I might get like, I don't know. I guess you would be okay. <laughs> You're not yeah, that no. funny. But I, I am. Be okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, JVW. What is the most radical thing you, you you'll? What is the most radical thing you'll talk about on your campaign? You will. What is, okay, I guess he's right. Technically, yeah. What is the most radical thing you will talk about in your campaign? Uh, Nicole. Um. Good question. What is the most radical thing? <sighs> Getting rid of all of the licenses. Why mm. do we need licenses? Um. Like occupational licenses. Yes. Or like driver's license. I mean, I'm for driver's licenses too. I'm just curious. Like, which you Well, okay. Licenses? So I understand the driver's license. We need to make sure that these people out on the roads actually know how to drive. So but we're not don't. killing one. It, no. Not, <laughs> but but like the occupational licenses. How many, how many, yeah, but how many like uh, roads that's there a year in America? Like 400,000 or something crazy? Okay. Yeah. It's like so many. I don't think we're doing great in that aspect anyway. So. Uh, I <laughs> But, but I guess it, I guess it all depends on what your definition of radical is, because 
okay, I'm a farm girl. What's radical to me might not be radical to somebody else, you know? You're not um, wrong. That's a, that's a fair, it's yeah. subjective. Yeah, it's so it's subjective. Because, um, like, well, I guess, I guess then to what's subjective to you, then what's radical to you, I guess. So, if, if it's the if it's the occupational licensing, then that's that, that, that's the answer, then you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, well, and not only the, like the occupational licensing, but like all of the the and I, I hate to use the word mandates because it's not really accurate, but like all the laws and mandates on farming, just let us do our thing. We know what we're doing, we don't need your help. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's from Chuck Stadnick. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Oh, I'm yet. sorry, Matt. I'm, I'm getting fucking loopy, dude. I'm sorry. Matt, go. I will hide his comment. You go. Sorry. Wood chippers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Wood chippers. I get it. 100%. Uh, all right. Chuck Stadnick. How would you explain your position, regardless of what it is, to to those demanding a fifteen dollar minimum wage? Let's start with Matt. Well, uh, I mean, if it, if we can get a big def, com, deep conversation about that one. Uh, well, I mean, fifteen dollar minimum wage is uh, is basically you're setting the the minimum price for a product. Ooh, how do you even explain this, someone? Someone who, who thinks that's a good idea to me is like, hmm, I don't know if you're going to convince them that's not a good idea. This seems to be pretty obvious. But uh, yeah, I would just tell them, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> don't do that. All right, uh, Nicole. Okay, for somebody who's a business owner and has had this conversation, when you raise minimum wage to that, you either cut the amount of um, workers you have or you increase your price. Um, and if you cut the amount of workers that you have, then you're expecting those workers to work more for that price. And a lot of people will not do that. Um, minimum wage, the, the reason why we have a minimum wage, it was a starting wage for people to get into the workforce. Um, and you can't expect, you can't expect somebody with very little experience for a business owner to pay them $15. And then you have the mindset out there that, um, well, if they can't afford to pay me $15 an hour, they don't deserve to be in business. Well, that's not, that's not reasonable either. Um, um, I think, I think we need to come up with a reasonable minimum wage. I don't think that's $15, um, especially with inflation going the way it is, because now you've just diminished somebody else's value. Um, there are people who have hardworking jobs where they're either in EMS or, you know, and they get paid their, their starting pay is $15 an hour. So you're telling me somebody who isn't saving lives deserves to get paid more than somebody who's saving lives. There's just a whole bunch of different issues with that. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the, the best economist in the world or guy, but I'm pretty sure a minimum wage just hurts low-income workers and stuff <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's well, bad and, for the economy I, and I like I, I know i know when it was implemented it, it hurt a lot of like especially people of color and stuff like that one of the reasons why they implemented it too was they were trying to get more people off of the social services the problem with that is once you raise their minimum wage and you tell them that they no longer qualify for social services then you are just changing the the 
the ground that they stand on. Um, you're not changing who they, what they're doing with their money. You're just saying that, okay, now you make more. Now you don't qualify for this. If we're going to go down that route, then we need to have a step off program for the social services instead of, oh, you made one cent over what you were supposed to make. Now you get nothing. Um, it should be a step off program. So I'd like to add like the, the initial purpose of the minimum wage was to price undesirables out of the market. So the, the people who couldn't compete at that price, you know, say, say black people, they would have to charge a lower rate for their wages to be able to compete with white folk. So in order to fix that, they would set the minimum wage. So in that way, you would just price black people completely out of the market. This is the original purpose of minimum wage, and it still has the same effect today, and we see it quite clearly. So, I mean, if you, and, and to get any more detail, the actual economic reasoning, I mean, I would send them, give them a copy of uh, you know, Henry Hazlitt's uh, Economics One Lesson, because it's uh, a pretty uh, basic question. There are a lot of different think tanks out there on why minimum wage was set and how it was set and what it was done for. Um, and I agree, yours was one of them. It, it, everything we do and everything we did back then was racially motivated. Um, some of our drug laws were even racially motivated because they didn't want opium dens or they didn't want um, they didn't want their women being found in an opium den. Um, so I, I think race, race has a lot to do with it um, in a lot of different areas. We have a lot of different laws in every, it, it, you, can, you can pretty much take every law that we have almost back to some type of racial discussion. Well, yeah, gun laws, right? I mean, there was some place in the South where it was like a law. If you were white, you had to own a gun. And if you were yeah. black, you couldn't own a gun. I mean, yeah. So it's like they're all based in racism and fuck poor people. And, you know, only for that, the upper class and shit like that, uh, for sure. Um, we still have questions rolling in. Goddamn. This is okay. Should a mini pork fest in Western PA be called Whiskey Rebellion 2 or Bourbon Boogaloo? <laughs> Why can't it be both? Like, combine it. That's what he means. Is that Rebellion you 2, like colon no, only if there's a machine gun shoot that's uh, the only one that'll work <laughs> uh okay here's one from jbw what would your first six months in office look like uh matt well uh i would uh geez i mean give that much thought to be honest my first six months would probably be uh, a whole lot of uh, being accused of things i did not do and having to deal with a uh, hostile media and uh, a hostile uh state government and everyone trying to obstruct what i was doing and as we we've seen uh you know, elsewhere um so in the ideal world if it was uh magical and and filled with unicorns uh i would uh just probably first secede from the uh, union and work on breaking up the state and shrinking the state government and liquidating its assets uh nicole i tear things apart anytime so in the post office, I got moved from office to office because I was the fixer. So I would go in, I would see what the problems were. And I dead fixed bodies? Them. That's cool. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> so know, you're the wolf. Always... You're the wolf from Pulp Fiction, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. There are always there are always dead bodies. I mean, I'm telling you. I had a whole conversation with Spike over the weekend about how we how to hide dead bodies. Weird. <laughs> it was like a two Weird hour conversation. conversation. We were having a, a blast. Theater, it was that long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so that's what I'm used to that. I'm used to going in, seeing what's wrong, fixing it, um, tearing things apart. It's my favorite thing to do. I mean, look at what I did with the audit. I went in and tore the financials of the LPPA apart. 
people uh, i was hated on i was hated on both sides for that i had no friends during that whole audit i still have no friends because of that audit but it needed to get done and i did it and i knew i knew going in that i was going to make enemies but we needed it done uh how about since I'm, unless any more questions start rolling in um you guys have any questions to your each other that you would like to ask or pose a question to and badge those brands around a little bit yeah i mean i i guess i you know, one question i have is uh you know if if i were to win the nomination would nicole would you be willing to help me and um you know accept any bygones be guy bygones in terms of any differences and 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 we move on and become you know you know friends and work hand in hand and 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 getting progress and where we where we need to go so matt i don't know you so i don't say that i can't say that we are enemies because we don't know each other enough to say whether or not we're enemies or friends we could be friends and we just don't know it because we haven't spent enough time together um i am more than willing to help anybody with anything and you know that because i've talked to you and your wife about her becoming the new treasurer and what i can do to help i am always here to help that is my job um I'm Italian. I help you and I feed you. That's what I Excellent. do. Excellent. Good deal. And uh, same to you though. Would you be willing to help absolutely. me? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't, you know, have any of this, uh, the, the bad blood or, or past conflict. So I, I want to get going and want to help get helping. I think what hurts us is I think there are a lot of people who are out there who want to say bad and negative things about everybody. And I'm the type of person where, I don't believe those things unless I see them from you. Um, if you give me a reason to distrust you, I will distrust you. But until then, um, I am, I'm here to do whatever it is that I need to do. And I think I've proven that over and over again. Um, a lot of people walked out of convention. I did not. I stayed and I did my job and I did what needed to get done. And I took over where I needed to take over because that is who I am as a person. I am a very honest person. I am a very reliable person. I am a very loyal person. And I am to those that I am loyal to, I am loyal to the death. It doesn't matter. I am loyal to this party. I am loyal to the party more than I am to the people in the party. So, um, and, and like I said, I proved that over the weekend. I stuck it out. You know, I was there. Much, yeah. much respect to you, Nicole. Yeah, much I was, respect. Yeah. I, was, I was gonna say the same thing. Like, I know people would be like, You're biased, you're Mises, like, sure, but like, no, like, to actually stick around and did not rage quit, like, three quarters of everybody else was honestly fucking ballsy or whatever word you want to use. That was well, cool. and, and here's the thing though, I wasn't, I know I got lumped in with the other side because I wasn't, and that's the thing. If you're not on one side, you're lumped in with the other side. There are a lot of us who are not on either sides. I have friends on both sides. I get along with both sides. Um, and I think it's, I think it's very, um, disingenuous to think that somebody who doesn't think like you is against you because I'm not, I'm not against you. I don't understand some of the things that you're doing. I don't understand some of your philosophies. I would like to have a conversation about them like seceding. I don't know enough about it you know, um, but that doesn't make me a bad person and that doesn't make me somebody on the other side. Um, it, it just means that I still have things to learn and I still have things to grow like we all do. 
Um, but it takes it takes a very strong person to stand there and watch all of your colleagues walk out, leaving you holding the bag and you stay. Not many people have those balls. I have yeah. those balls. Oh, for sure. You definitely did. Yeah, that's that's it's that's very respectful and, and it, mm-hmm. I mean it speaks poorly of them that they would they would leave you there and um, holding the bag, someone yeah, say. And that's um I mean it's I mean it's disrespectful in many ways. For sure. But, fucked uh, up and uh you know it was i found it was very good meeting you this weekend nicole and, and seeing you meeting you face to face and and actually see, you, know, you are a human being and in, in, in a person and and that we can get together and and function yeah i i'm being. not the mean bitch that right, everybody right, says i was right. i can be i can be that person if i need to be but i'm not i'm i'm human like the rest of you i have feelings we all have feelings um, some of our feelings got tramped on over the weekend. It happens. But to to sit there and rage quit when you feel so strongly about something, to, that that just doesn't equal in my head. I can't make that math work. Um, so it, it would have done a disservice to the party had I left. And I, I'm not, I can't do that. All right. Uh, we do have more questions. If you guys are still open to field them, it's up to you guys at this point. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Just let me check on dinner in the oven real quick, and yeah. I'll be right back because I I'll, don't want to burn it. My poor husband just got home. I'll kill time with Matt. I'll I'll, I'll remove you, and when you come back, I'll put you back in. So let's talk about our, our penis sizes. Mine's now. <laughs> it's a good time. The chicks are around. We can talk about that now, right? <laughs> So yes, how are you uh, enjoying this? Oh, I'm loving it. You know, it's uh, it's a good time. A little ch- chatty and uh, yeah, not uh, you know, surprise me with your uh, your economics question with the minimum wage fifteen dollars. Well, it wasn't my so question. How do we, how do we, I didn't how do we, pose it. Like, <laughs> it was just thrown out there in the world of other questions, dude. I don't know. This isn't as hard as the uh, the chair one. The chair one was like question after question after question after question after question. Mm-hmm. This is like coming in a little more stagnant. So well, I, I guess it's like you know, it's not so much like inside baseball yes, LP it politics. Yeah, yeah. It's just like generic state, and you know, really, you know, what are what are we uh, talking about? No, what are we sure. going to do? Boom. Okay, we're back. Um, all right. So, just for the record, dinner is not burning. Okay, good. So, of one from Rick Ravati, what message would you use to appeal to the left without losing the right, and vice versa, Matt? Uh, you know, at the top of my head, the first thing that comes to mind would be um, legalization of uh, psychedelics. Hmm. I think the right wouldn't care too much. And I think this was something that appealed to the left um, you know, because it's, you know, it's one of those just generic left uh, wing uh, type of you know, traditional left wing type of ideas. Um, but then also from the, the from the veterans perspective, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in use of, of or the legalization of, of psychedelics for municipal use. Uh, for treating uh, PTSD and depression, and anxiety, and as we've seen an exploding amount of research uh, come come about, and uh, I think that should be a big push. And... Nicole, you on the left. <laughs> I would have to agree with Matt. I think the biggest topic on the table right now is the legalization of drugs and why it's important. Um, I come from a family who. While we um, love Western medicine, we don't always um, use it. I have um, plants out in my backyard that heal. Um, So I understand why um, psychedelics and 
marijuana are used by certain people for certain things. Um, PTSD, I get it, been there, done that, had it, still deal with it today. Um, and what, what hurts is if you're a federal employee, which I was, and my husband still is, we cannot use them. So if I wanted to use marijuana for my PTSD, I cannot because they can fire my husband if it's in my house. Um, yes. I saw that look. Yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Um, it's called conduct unbecoming. So if I do something and my husband is around me when I do it, the post office can fire him for conduct unbecoming. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, he can be fired for conduct That's unbecoming. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the school firing is, my wife because I do I smoke weed. And <laughs> this is crazy. how stupid the post office is. He is required to be out of uniform within two hours of clocking out. So if he's driving home and there's an accident on 83 and he's stuck in traffic for four hours, he is required by federal law to be out of his uniform within two hours of punching out off Dude, the clock. I would make it a habit where I would have to strip <laughs> down naked to prove a point. Like, oh, it's two two hours in a second. I got to do it, and like it's all I got, and a hundred percent that's a dumb yep. fucking rule. And it, they can't wear their uniforms inside a bar. If they go into a restaurant to eat, it cannot have a bar, or they cannot be seated at the bar. They cannot have a drink if they are in uniform, even if they're off the clock. Still can't do it. So I get it. That's dumb. So it is. Stupid. All right, uh, John Waldenberger. This is mainly for Matt. Because that's what he says. This is for Matt. <laughs> if you would support secession and would make it happen, what would le what would you do? Oh, I can't fucking read. What would you do for the PA citizens who do not want it to happen and do not have the ability to leave PA? Your mic is muted. Go for it. So would you prefer the alternate option where someone doesn't want to leave? So they force others to stay at the at the point of a gun right so it's it's not uh it's not a, a an option the other way uh, you you can't do that you know at least i don't think i can do that i'm a libertarian so i don't know what do i know um and force association is never okay and if you want to leave you should be able to leave doesn't matter what your neighbor says right uh, I don't know, Nicole, if you want to touch on that. I know it wasn't for you, but if you want to touch on that, you don't have to. But well, I'm, I'm wondering what he means by the ability to leave, meaning you don't have the funds, you don't have the resources to leave. Um, I'm assuming that's what leave? he means. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming... assuming he means funds and resources or like, oh, my family's here. I got to care of my mom or I don't have the money to leave. I'm assuming that's what he meant. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm not touching that one. That's fair. Okay. It wasn't for me. No, no. I I said you don't have to answer it. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. I'm going to start that one. <laughs> Timothy Maine. Probably has the post office. <laughs> Tim, you're late to this. This has been said 100 times already this podcast. You know what, Adam? Uh, <laughs> Maybe one time we should do a whole like podcast just on the post office. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't know if I have the mental <laughs> capacity to do that, honestly. I might check out and just let you talk into the camera. <laughs> and I'll just go play video games. And you can watch me play Warzone over there. <laughs> I, I, I love how everybody comes after me with the post office things because they know that I work there or that I did work there. What a lot of people don't know is that I was fired for, well, I, okay, I wasn't really fired from the post office, but I guess you can say I was 
because I was a whistleblower. We have a zero tolerance policy. And my boss sent an email saying that he wanted or she wanted to blow up the post office that I was sitting in currently, another post office, and kill another employee. Um, yeah, <laughs> we had issues. Um, and I called the Postal Inspector Service and I'm like, hey, look, I don't know what's going on, but this needs to get looked into. This was right around the time of the um, Boston the um, Boston Marathon bombing. Mm -hmm. um, so, familiar. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah. So it was kind of a, a weird time to begin with, and the bomb was set off by a blue collection box. So when she sent out that email, I was like, yeah, no, I, I and my job, I'm a postmaster. I have to protect my employees. Um, so most people do not know that story and do not know, uh, do not even get a clue of how much I hate the post office. I mean, I, I literally hate the post office, will not walk into one. I can't walk into one, but being in the post office and understanding that those employees see people every day and they save lives and they rescue children that have been missing because they're in those communities every day. I see the good that the post office does that a lot of people don't see or don't know. They don't know that carriers run into burning buildings first because they see the fire first. They're there. They're in the, the neighborhoods. They see mail piling up. And they do a welfare check on the, the elderly person living at that home. And they save lives that way. They collect millions of pounds of food every day. So while everybody else sees the bad and I see the bad, I also see the good. And I think the good way outweighs the bad sometimes, especially when they're rescuing a child that's been abducted and they get that child back home. Uh, part of me. When you said I was technically fired from the post office, I was like, I hope she says because I started a fight club. <laughs> but no, <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> no, I would much better than starting a fight club. I'll be sick. You started a fucking post office fight club. Just a bunch of fucking postal workers just fucking fucking <laughs> duking out in the fucking mailroom. It'd be sick. So, Someone do that. Someone yeah, do that, please. Actually, before we had the zero tolerance policy, that's how carriers dealt with bad carriers they took them out back and they taught them how to be a good carrier and so i, I, I hey i'm all for fucking tuning people up you need to be tuned up you know what i'm saying nicole <laughs> I, I like to point out you know your experience uh of losing your job there's an example of like any criminal organization one of the worst things you can do is snitching and you know that's what it, it you know, basically what what you were treated with you know you, yeah you, yeah just, doesn't I, matter what criminal activities they were doing well, here's the thing, though. I thought I was protected under the Whistleblower Act. And if you read the Whistleblower Act, it actually says, except postal employees. That's Half so the laws on the book <laughs> say, except postal employees. So, like, they leave us to the wolves. Um, and I should have been protected under the No Fear Act, which is what Bush enacted a little bit later to kind of bridge that gap of everybody that's not protected by the Whistleblower Act. But when you're working in the government like that and, you know, it's corrupt as it's it's corrupt as all hell. Um, yeah, the post office is not any different than any other federal agency. It doesn't matter what the laws say. You know, it doesn't matter. You, you betray the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, yes. the gang, you're going to you're going to face its wrath. But here's uh, the thing. My yes. integrity and my, you know, my the 
the love that I have for my employees. And, and it's when you have that many employees under you, when you have 130 employees sitting in that office that you need to protect, you do what you have to do. And it's kind of like being in the government position and, and running for governor. I'm not afraid to open my mouth when somebody's doing something wrong. I, I you know, you do it wrong. I'm calling you on the carpets for it. You know, I, I don't shy away from that. Um, I did kind of shy away from the ad a little bit because um, I was actually being threatened physically and being threatened with lawsuits. So I had to weigh those options. Is it, is that something that I, is that a road I really wanted to go down knowing the road that I went down with the post office and how it ended? Um, and, um, and, and talking to a lawyer about some of the ramifications that I was getting into with the audit, but I still have that documentation and I, I'm hoping that, you know, the Libertarian Party does what I suggested and we get an outside CPA firm to do a forensic audit and fix it from there. I think that's what needs to get done. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. And if they don't, I will be opening my mouth. There is no doubt in my mind that I will fight tooth and nail on this just like I do everything else. All right. We got two more questions here. Uh, one from Bill. Actually, now let's go from uh, Kate, our, our mayor of Austin, Kate Nicole. Uh, maybe someone asked already, but what is the top issue you think needs to be addressed in Pennsylvania? Uh, let's go with Matt. Uh, well, uh, I mean, right now, I would say the, the defend the guard. I mean, it's, I mean, it's ready to go, ready to be pushed. And we mentioned earlier, um, and I, it, there's a whole team and ready to go and push it. And that's, it's an amazing thing that needs to be done. Okay, uh, Nicole. I agree. Defend the Guard has to be one of the top issues, um, along with decriminalization and legalization of drugs and getting those people out of prison that don't belong in there. I think we have a lot of things that are top issues. I think what's important to one person might not always be important to another person. Um, somebody who does not have family in the military might not understand and might not realize that defend the guard is important. Um, they don't understand why they're utilized the way they are and what that needs to be done. But we do have a lot of top, a lot of issues that need to be addressed. Uh, all right. Bill Cox asks, who are your biggest libertarian influences and philosophers? Matthew. Hmm. Well, let's see, I would uh, start off a little bit of the, the Dr. Ron Paul and then a little up to the, uh, Tom Woods was a huge influence on me. And, uh, you know, then from there, the other Austrian economists, uh, you know, Murray Rothbard and, uh, Ludwig von Mises. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say, uh, the uh, one person that uh, I'm not supposed to say, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Uncle Ted might be a good writer here and there, you know, let's say <laughs> that uh, uh, other than that, I mean, you have a lot of just a lot of people, Bastiat, uh, Henry Hazlitt, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I can go on and on. Um, you know, I started off as I started off really getting with, with Tom Woods and then he induced me to Rothbard and then it's just been all downhill from there. So for sure. Uh, Nicole. As cheesy as this is, I'm going to have to say my mom, bless her heart. Um, she raised us to be independent. She raised us 
to believe in what we believe in. She raised us to be strong. Um, she raised us to know the difference between right and wrong and know how we are. I, I, I understand why some people lean to the, the classics of Ron Paul and all of them, but sometimes it just starts at home. Sometimes liberty starts at home teaching your children. That's fair. Uh, there's no good or bad answer. Well, I'm sure there's a bad answer if you were like Marx. That probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> um, uh, I guess prison reform is a major issue and family court reform is too. No one wants to take that up. would be a ton of people. And with that, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on prison reform and family court reform? Uh, Nicole? So um, family court, I've been there. Um, I was a product of family court. I was a product of um, being in foster care. Um, it needs reform. There's there are so many things that can go wrong in foster care and typically do. Um, the top priority should always be keeping the family together unless the child is in danger. In a lot of cases, some of these kids are, uh, and, and sometimes they do need to be removed from the family, but I think they need to be removed maybe possibly to another family member. Um, <coughs> our, our, our prison reform, we need to look. So, and another aspect of prison reform is 75% of women that are in prison currently are in prison because of a significant other, whether it was a, that they um, were forced to do something that they didn't want to do, like drug running or selling, whatever. But if we decriminalize and legalize that, then we don't have that issue anymore. Um, but some of them are in there because they actually were protecting themselves from their abusers. So we have to look at different ways. I actually work with Not One More. Um, we're talking about going in and teaching some of these people who are out of rehab how to cook, trying to give them a specialized area where they can focus their energy to get them back out into the community. I think that um, prison reform really starts in the courts. We really need to look at how these people or why these people are in the system. If they're in the system because they have a drug addiction or they have an alcohol addiction, they shouldn't be in the prison system per se. They should be in a rehabilitative system. The uh, correction system was is there to correct the behavior. Um, and we don't focus on that anymore. We focus on the penalization of the criminal instead of what we need to do to fix them. My brother spent quite a bit of time in prison. I have um, a lot of people in my family who have they have mental illness, um, which makes them lean more towards different types of drugs to, um, to help correct the issues that they're having instead of the correct forms. And I think that needs to start with education too about what the mental illness is, why they're acting the way they're acting, what drugs can help, even if it is some of the, what we call illegal drugs. Um, because marijuana does have an effect on some mental illnesses. So I think instead of self-medicating, we need to educate and we need to get them into programs and, and counseling so that they can help heal and fix what they need to fix, as well as giving them some type of avenue to get out of the area that they're in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
Am I putting you to sleep, Adam? No, no, my back and neck. I have uh, bulging discs in my neck, and it causes pain throughout my whole body. Get so a tens I gotta, unit. Get a, a tens unit. What's, get a what? A tens unit. It's an electronic stimulator that you. It's little pads. You put them on your back. You turn the machine on, and it sends shock waves oh, through yeah, your muscles. Oh so, yeah. So I, 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 I no, I went to therapy for that. That's not. It doesn't work. It's. I need. There. I'm getting like injections in my neck to like lower the inflammation of my disc and shit like that. It's fucking crazy. So if I sit too long, I just like get super painful. So I have to start stretching like a psychopath. Sorry, it's not because you guys are boring me. <laughs> um, do you support constitutional carry, Nicole? Yes. Um, I, you know, I, I hate filling out the form every so year, every few years, just so I can conceal carry. We shouldn't have to worry about what we're carrying. I have a, a few guns. My husband has a few guns. Actually, it was funny. Um, it was probably about three months ago. He's like, you know, my brother has this guy and we can get an AR. What do you think? And I'm like, we're just getting one. Why aren't we getting two? We can afford two. We can get two. How about three? And he's like, what? do i know you and i'm like yeah let's get them so so we need we should be able to carry guns uh matthew (laughs) uh i shouldn't need a permission from another man on what kind of firearm i can carry or where i can carry or how i can carry it so if i want to carry a machine gun have have a discussion about your past i hear you have a very unique past with this uh yes i got a fun time with law enforcement and the joys of uh the criminal justice system working correctly (laughs) all right uh i think we could wrap this up it's been over two hours uh any last final thoughts from you guys nicole you want to share your final thoughts i just want to say that um i know that some people don't know me as well as they think they do and you would be surprised if you got to know me, who I am actually as a person. And you will know that I am an individualist. I don't do the group think tank thing. Um, I don't, just because somebody tells me this is the path that I should follow, that is not typically the path that I'm going to follow. I'm a rebellion at heart. Um, but I always, I always do the right thing. Um, and if I can't I am a person of my word. And if my word is no good, then who am I? Um, So if I give you my word that I am going to do something, I do it. And I do it to the best of my ability. Um, And I would love to be the nominee for governor. I think we've already got a program in place. We're already hit the ground running. I think, unfortunately, Matt, I think I'm the best woman for the job. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Best woman. (laughs) And. But, um, uh, oh, you got a cappuccino? I sure do. My, uh, I trained my wife well. So, Ooh. thanks for the cappuccino, Laura. Why don't you drive it to Bucks? You fucking selfish. I know, right? God damn it. Okay, so your wife makes you her. cappuccino. My husband makes me angel food cake, French toast with strawberries and lemon curd and hot fudge and whipped cream. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm spoiled. Uh, <laughs> Matt, any final words? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, this is uh, this is the time. This is our moment, and uh, we are at a crossroads in in civilization and society. And if we don't go now, uh, it's going to be too late. So we have to go now, and we have to go hard. We have to make it noise, and we have to upset people who we need to upset, and we have to get going. Yes, 
we have to get going. <laughs> we Some do. of us uh, already have. God damn it. Uh, Matt, Nicole, and quick to Tim, and way less to Joel. Uh, thanks, for jo <laughs> thanks for joining us on this episode. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, Thank Saturday we, we decide. I know it was a big, big day. And maybe we could wrap it up before I have to do comedy that night and not have a 12-hour board meeting. That'd be great, everybody. Okay? <laughs> I'll fucking, no, let's not do that. So <laughs> let's wrap it up nice and tight. Matt. Nicole, thank you for coming. Everybody, thank you for listening. Go buy a shirt and come see comedy. Go buy a shirt. Drop10.com slash store. Go buy a shirt. Go buy a shirt now. You guys, go buy shirts. Okay, bye. Everybody, love you. Have a good time. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find Adam on social media, Twitter and IG at Adam Nutter or Facebook and TikTok at Adam Nutter Comedy. And for podcasts and merch, check out www.droptent.com. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.